I'm now feeling the chuck-induced anxiety growing feverishly inside my gullet. Now, come on, man. Can't you feel the dilemma I was in? Seriously. How hard do you punch a living legend? I'm in a quandary like you can't even believe. So after a few more semi-scowls crossing the face of Coach Knoll, I knew I was on borrowed time. Finally, when Chuck lined up in a three-point stance across from me, he rolled forward on his hand and fairly growled, Now let me feel you punch me. Oh, I knew it was now or never. You found the Wolfcast on Steelers Nation Radio and Steelers.com. Well, way back before the turn of the century, during my senior year at Syracuse University, I came face-to-face with some very sobering statistics, such as the chances of making it in the NFL at that time. Now, they were roughly 1 in 140,000. Now, even for a guy like me, who flunked math twice, those, uh, those seem to be pretty ginormous and insurmountable odds. And to top it off now, check this out, the average career length of a player was only approximately 3.2 years. So in general terms, if you want to read the, the, the tea leaves on this, so to speak, the odds were I was never going to get there, and if I did, it sure wasn't going to be a long ride. <laughs> Obviously, with the odds stacked like that, you got to make the most of every opportunity to show your capabilities. So when four-time Super Bowl champion Chuck Knoll came to work me out in Manly Fieldhouse on the campus of the Syracuse University back in the pre-spring of 1980, I was overwhelmed with the thought of working out personally for Coach Knoll. Seriously. You see, I, I thought there'd be like a teammate or two with me, and we'd be pitted against each other during the workout, you know, doing drills and such. But no, I, I was told nobody else, just me and the emperor, Chaz Knoll, as the legendary Myron Cope used to call him, we would be working out mano y mano. I'm trying to figure that one out. So Coach Knoll was coming to work me out personally with no other guys for me to work out against. Uh, but I guess I had no idea just how personal it was about to get. Literally, Coach Knoll was working out with me. I mean, after going through a couple of run-blocking drills, he began lining up across from me and physically pass-rushing me. Seriously. All the while, he started instructing me on the art of the punch, which was a, a recent development in changing the rules of the NFL. Now, no longer would offensive linemen have to hold their hands against their chest and pass pro. No longer would they be virtually heavy bags on two feet and subjected to head slaps from the pass rusher. No, you're able to use your hands now to punch the pass rusher and keep him from grabbing you, and it was a technique that Coach Knoll was attempting to teach me. Now, the power punch was literally pioneered a couple years earlier by then Steelers offensive line coach Dan Badrad Radakovich and developed by Steelers legends John Kolb and Larry Brown, both awesome pass protection tackles, and ultimately perfected by my brother, Tunch Ilkin. I was dressed simply in shorts and a t-shirt, Coach Knoll in a Steelers golf shirt, and Coach's pants when we first met at Manly Fieldhouse. There were no helmets, uh, pads, or anything, so... We began with a couple of run-blocking drills, and then the punching technique was being explained to me and then demoed. Then came the walkthrough, and then the pace quickening. Now, after several awkward one-on-one physical matchups with Coach Knoll, who was then in his late 40s or 50s or something, I don't know, I could sense his mounting frustration and, and hear the tinges of it in his voice as he upped the intensity of each rush. So here I am, 
I'm working on punching techniques with a future Hall of Famer, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had just won their fourth Super Bowl of the 70s. And I wasn't getting it, and he knew it. Now, you got to understand Coach Noel and his mindset. He was first and foremost a teacher and then a football coach. He prized teaching the basic elements of football and thoroughly communicating them in clear and precise terms that anyone could understand. Well, anyone, at least in his mind. And if it seemed that the teaching was not getting through to whomever he was instructing at that point, there would be a noticeable rise in the anxiety level of the player he was instructing as Chuck bore in on you while he was teaching the ins and outs of it. When Coach Noel was fixated on you in a teaching situation, such was the respect afforded to Coach, that there was a palpable fear and anxiousness that accompanied the teaching points. You think I'm kidding? Just ask Joe Green the next time you see him walking down the street. Joe once said Chuck could give you a look that would make you pee down your leg. And that player, who was feeling a noticeable rise in his anxiety level at this point, and maybe even some bladder control problems too, happened to be yours truly, me. The agitation coach was feeling at this particular time was being directed solely and wholly at me because he knew I was holding back. Now, I feared that this ballistic job interview was about to go south after a couple of rushes. And after another rather pedestrian senior citizen speed rush by Chuck and a half-hearted pass pro punch by me in response, Chuck side-eyed me yet again. I'm now feeling the Chuck-induced anxiety growing feverishly inside my gullet. Now, come on, man. Can't you feel the dilemma I was in? Seriously. How hard do you punch a living legend? I'm in a quandary like you can't even believe. So after a few more semi-scowls crossing the face of Coach Knoll, I knew I was on borrowed time. Finally, when Chuck lined up in a three-point stance across from me, he rolled forward on his hand and fairly growled, Now let me feel you punch me. Oh, I knew it was now or never. In a mild to escalating state of panic, I put my hand on the turf and Chuck rushed and threw an uppercut. And I punched him. Boom. I mean, I let him have it. It was a well-timed howitzer of a punch with all of my then 455-pound bench press strength powering the punch. Now, unfortunately for both me and him, I was a little errant in my punch. (laughs) My right hand glanced off Chuck's shoulder and I popped him in the mouth. I mean, right in the grill. His head snapped back like a Pez dispenser. Chuck abruptly came to a screaming halt in the process of pass rushing. And I was already cringing, man. (laughs) I looked. I got blood on my hand. And then I noticed he had blood on his lip. Surely this interviewing process was about to be over. And Chuck Knoll, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I were about to go our separate ways. Slowly, Chuck turned towards me. And I saw that flare of the squinted eyebrows and the famous bulldog look that I would come to know over the years whenever I screwed up. You know, with my heart beating a zillion times a minute, Chuck touched his suddenly swollen lip, looked at the trickle of blood on his fingertips, and then amazingly a smile broke on his face. Looking directly at me eye to eye, he nodded his head and said emphatically, now that's a punch. (laughs) Well, I can tell you, I, I left Manly Fieldhouse and I went back to my apartment after the workout and... I remember calling my parents back in Orchard Park, New York, and glumly telling them, we can take the Steelers off the draft board for me. No way do they draft me. I bloodied Chuck Knoll's lip. Are you kidding me? Several weeks later, the NFL draft rolled around. Now, I spent most of the first day. The draft back then was 12 rounds, two days. So I was sitting by the phone, you know, one of those uh, 
you know, phones where you got to pick it up off the receiver and everything, not like the cell phones of today. So I'm sitting by the phone all day. And it only rang when my grandma called. Now, grandma called like five times. I'm like, grandma, please stop calling me. Every time you call, you know, my heart starts hammering away. And I get all, un- you know, get all freaked out and everything. I'll call you <laughs> if I get drafted. But at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the draft officially shut down for the day. So I, I wasn't totally unprepared for a, a first-day snub. You see, uh, I'd been told by my head coach, Frank Maloney, that the the pro scouts had told him that they thought I would be a a second-day guy or a free agent guy, probably. So I've always been a glass-half-full sort of dude, so I still was a little dejected when I left the house. About 30 minutes or so after I had left the house, the phone rang, and my younger sister, Joy, who I think she was like 13 or 14 at the time, she picks up the phone. So Joy's listening on the phone, and then She's chatting up someone who was on the line with her. So my mom and dad are staring at her and wondering what in the world, who is she talking to? So after several minutes of listening and a question or two, my mother asked her, goes, who are you talking to? Joy frowned, gave her a thumbs down gesture, covered the mouthpiece with her hand and said simply, some guy from Pittsburgh named Chuck. (laughs) And that's how I came to be drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the fifth round way back in 1980. Now, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that my brother, Tunch Ilkin, was drafted in the very same draft. But he was just drafted in the sixth round of draft, you know, and I win the fifth. Not that we're too competitive or nothing. And Tunch, of course, if he were here, he would laugh and say, yeah, but I graduated from Indiana State University. All you got is a certificate of attendance from Syracuse University. You're not an alumnus. You were just an attendee. And I say, ah, chalooch. I miss you, brother. I know you're with Jesus. I'll see you again. As always, folks, thanks for listening. Remember, I never let facts stand in the way of a good story. I'm Craig Wolfley, and this is the Wolfcast.